This is episode number 525 of the Health and Fitness Podcast by Inner Fight, brought to you in association with Smith Street Paleo. Do pop up over to smithstreetpaleo.com, check out all the food that they have over there. Meal plans delivered to your home or office, snacks, recipes, you can eat well, feel awesome, and honestly, that will help in your training as well. Hop over to smithstreetpaleo.com, all the yummy goodness over there. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast and today the mic or the shoe is on the other foot, the mic is in the other hand. I'm actually going to be interviewed by Tom Walker about my experience in Sri Lanka. I'm not prepared for this at all. He's got loads of questions that he hasn't sent over to me. Not sure he's going to make it as a future host, but hopefully we'll get through and I'll be able to give you guys a little bit of an insight about my experience in Sri Lanka, how the race was with the Ultra X guys, and what went down over there. No matter where you're in the world, thanks for tuning in. Let's get into today's show. Yeah, mate, no questions. We're going in <laughs> completely blank on this. <laughs> mate, it's, it's normal that, uh, that the show host would send the guest some questions so that the said guest can prepare themselves, but this hasn't happened. This said guest likes a challenge, I know, so... Um, <laughs> We're going in, we're going in blank. But I do have some set questions for you. Oh, so you've done your research and not let me do any of mine. One of us did our homework. Good. One of us did it. Cool, mate. So, I we're going to work through the next, uh, the next bit. Just I want to go from the start, basically. Yeah. Have you ever been to Sri Lanka before? Yeah. So I, I was there actually in, mate. I first went to Sri Lanka to play rugby, almost oh, 2004, 2005. I used to have a Rugby sevens tournament there in Candy every year, and I played there for about five years. So I kind of knew what the, and this was one of the things that I was thinking about when I was preparing for this, like I kind of knew what the weather would be like. It's very humid, nothing really dries, and it rains a lot. So, but had, I played a lot of tournaments there, but had never run there. So this was the first time I went there to run. Sounds like great running conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not exactly ideal. Jeez. So, uh, tell us where you where you started. What uh, what was the what was your plan? So you had to fly over. Did you have a day's yeah. prep? Yeah, kind of, but not really, mate. So we we flew from Dubai on Saturday afternoon, and basically when we got there, we we got there about midnight or ten o'clock. By the time we got to hotel, it was about midnight on the Saturday night. Next morning, it's full on. Seven o'clock, we actually had a, a doctor's test. They were doing a little bit of a study of the impact of ultra running on basically some sort of cognitive test that we did on iPad, which I'm quite interested. I don't know the results of, so I can't share that with you now. Is that annoying you? What, was it annoying me? No. Not knowing the results? Not, no, not knowing the results, no. Because, mate, honestly, the, when, when, when I had to redo the test, so they did the test on that morning, seven o'clock, and I had to redo the test at the end of the long day, it was the longest 15 minutes of my life. Like you're sat tapping this iPad and it's like all these different shapes and you have to remember stuff. It's quite an interesting test. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what the results come out like. And then you're into, you're into breakfast and you're into equipment checks, which these guys were really quite slick on equipment checks. A lot of time for an ultra, you know, they'll, they'll, it'll just be forever. But they did it really smart. They sent us to our hotel rooms and they said, put all of your kit on the bed. We're just going to come around. And they got a checklist and they just, it literally took, my equipment check took me about three minutes, mate. It was, yeah, they were really, really slick with it. And I basically, yeah, all my equipment was right. So like you've got 
mandatory equipment such as survival blankets, the right number of calories each day, mosquito nets, sleeping bag, all of this stuff. And they just want to make sure you've got it all in your bag really for, for health and safety. I'm just going to pull you back there. The yeah. right amount of calories for each day. Yeah. We saw on your Instagram, you'd gone <laughs> full Marcus Smith on it. <laughs> yeah. Everything was prepared. How did you work that out? Yeah. And, and tell, did you get it right? Let's skip straight to the race. Did, do you think you got your calories right? It's super interesting, mate. I think I got it about 85% right, which is not good enough. I think I had about a 15% mistake. And I think that showed, well, and the reason I get to that is because the second and third day, I, I felt quite low on energy. I don't know if it was the heat and actually getting my strategy, which I'm going to talk a little bit about later on, yeah. getting that right, or if it was my food. But I got into the fourth day where I'd planned a lot more food. And on the night of the third day, so in preparation for the fourth day, I actually ate a lot more. And I don't know if that's the reason why I felt so good on the fourth day, but I think I was slightly under. So, and the, the place that I was slightly under was in my evening meal. So what I now do, and people will be a little bit surprised about this, a little bit blown away by this. What I'll now do is I'll now... The food dehydrated, the freeze-dried food is about 800 calories. I was then putting in 50 grams of biltong, which would give it another sort of two to 300 calories. Yeah. I will now take, for, for my next race, I'll now take a bag and a half of the freeze-dried food. So I'll be looking at about a 1,600 calorie dinner, which is quite a lot. If you more. want a reason to ultra run, <laughs> go. Yeah, eating. so it's, it's a lot of eating going on there. The other stuff I felt really good on, obviously, is a little bit of a balance, mate, in, in ultra running. Are you going to fuel with, like, gels the whole way? So I had a mixture of, of stealth, secret training bars, juice bars, real fruit, also had some caffeine, the isotonic ones. Are you getting in enough electrolyte? I probably didn't take quite enough electrolyte. I use Elite Drops for my electrolyte and I yeah. probably didn't have quite enough there. And then I'd have two sort of hydration tabs at night as well. Um, but it's a real fine balance between the sugar side of it, which really obviously stealth is a lot more sugar-based, carb-based, and what that'll do to your stomach over the three, four or five days, which yeah. considering like when I raced quite hard at Hajar 100 earlier in the season, and I think I did 32 gels and bars in 12 hours. At the end of it, I, I like, and it's my show, I, like I had the worst trip to the toilet I've ever had because this stuff was just coming out. And I didn't want to have a problem with my gut, and I didn't. So the mix of it, Smith Street Paleo, few Street Waffles, and a load of secret training, actually for the run nutrition, worked really well. Awesome. I want to... Uh jump back to your race in yeah. a minute but firstly the these morning the, well the morning of the race well for you guys the, the day before all the yeah. prep time you're racing with around was it 40 to 50 other competitors yeah, i think i think 40 started mate yeah you can always learn so much at that point yeah. from mainly how not to do things you're yeah. experienced you've come in we're going to talk a bit more about the plan you came into the race with yeah what are people doing around you that you're just thinking, oh, my God? <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting because I sort of, th there's a fine line, isn't there, between, you know, you don't want to rock up at a race and, oh, mate, you're doing that wrong, you're doing that wrong, and then you sort of drop out on the second day. <laughs> so you just sort of see people, like what they're eating for breakfast and, you know, how much they slept, 
the night before and what they ate the night before and just like people are already into what I call sort of really emergency food, get out of shit food. Like they're on the bus going down to the start of the race, which was a six hour bus ride and they're eating sweets already. And I'm like, okay. And then you see people with cans of Coke and soft drink already. I'm like, okay. You know, and I, I, there's a lot of stuff going on that I wouldn't necessarily tell the people that I coach to do and, and, and people are doing it. And then it's like, it's a geek fest, isn't it? Like everyone's talking about what nutrition they've got, what shoes they're going to be running in, what backpacks they've got. And, you know, for the most part, I try and stay away from those conversations because I've got to that point and I'm in Sri Lanka with my kit that I'm like 100% confident in. Okay, I got my food a little bit wrong, but I'm 100% confident in it. So I really want to stay away from having conversations and going, oh, Tom, what have you got for breakfast? Yeah. Because you'd be going, oh, well, I've got blah, 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 and it's this many calories and it does this to me. And then you start to do your head in a little bit that, oh, have, have I got the right stuff? And, you know, my shoes, the right shoes. And, you know, I think because I've done quite a few of these races, I was, I was super confident in, in what, I w- what I was doing. But you sort of just hear these conversations and it's like, wow, you're, you're on a bus. And we literally, we left from the bus, so we're just outside Colombo and we're going on this bus and there's nothing on the way. And people are talking about what they haven't got and maybe they don't have enough food. And I was just like, wow, because there's going to be nothing coming up. So, yeah, it's, it's geek talk, mate. And you see, you see what you think is a lot, a lot of rookie errors. And, yeah, some of them panned out to be quite rookie errors <laughs> later on in the week. I mean, you've got what you've got. Yeah. So it's the whole mindset thing. Yeah, exactly. Deal with it. And if you haven't done your prep prior to it, then, then that's it. Yeah. Sorry about that. But it, it is interesting, though, mate, that some people don't actually, like, haven't. And I think this is without plugging coaching too much. Like, I have a spreadsheet that, that I calculate all my calories through and also calori- calculate the weight of those calories if it's a self-supported race. But I know a lot of people won't have been doing that. No. And so it's kind of like, well, you're going to come into trouble. You know, it's, it's really a okay, I'm going to drive this car, which is my body, for X amount of kilometers. How much petrol do I need to buy before? That's all we're doing. You wouldn't go to, you know, you wouldn't drive your car into the middle of the desert with an empty tank of petrol. So it's some quite simple mistakes that people make, but that's a value in our coaching as well, that actually we prepare people in the, in the right way. And you were playing coach to four, four other athletes there. Yeah, yeah. How do you switch between coach an athlete obviously you've got your own race to run yeah they've got their own races to run none of you have done that particular race before yeah have they got questions for you yeah. are they are they all pre-answered do they know okay leave leave him alone at this point yeah um mate it's the first time i've been in a race where i'm sorry it's not the first time we raced sana we raced hajar and to be honest mate the guys just leave me alone it's really quite cool like we're, I'm their coach, but we're on the start line and they're not asking me, oh, when should I have this? Because I think I've answered a lot of those questions yeah. before and they know what they've got in their bag. But that's a single stage race. Multi-stage is way different. And I wanted, to, I wanted them to have an amazing experience. So every evening, you know, I'd be like, okay, Josh, what are you eating? How much calories is it? Are you prepared for tomorrow? Chris, what's going on? How do you feel? And I try and sort of catch up with them in the evening. And then if there was time in the morning, but at that stage, I've taught them how much nutrition to have in their race bags. But at the same time, it's like, 
you can tell people 3,000 times that this is a multi-stage race, but the human body or the human mind, when everyone just guns it at the start on day one, you're, gonna, you're naturally going to want to go with them. Of course. And these are the people that you've been on this bus with, you've been in the camp with, you start to forge a little bit of friends with, you've exchanged stories, they've told you races they've done, you've told them about your journey. And we're humans, we've got a point to prove. So I remember the morning of the first day, I went round to all of them and I said, Edson, you just take it easy today. You sit at the front, whatever happens, you just go and don't attack at all. Just stay it doesn't matter. We're not winning the race on day one. Edson's cool. You know, same with Christoph. I was like, mate, just super take it easy. If you feel at any stage, whatever's happening, back it off. Elise was the same and Josh is exactly the same. Got them in that afternoon. How did it go? And the first few days, I tried to give them more of my energy and attention because I knew I had it. And then it's a matter of repeating it. And then sort of like, what do you say to someone on, on the long day of a race? Like, you know, see you at the end. <laughs> like, it's really difficult, isn't it? You yeah, know, yeah. I think most of the time, mate, what what we need in these races, and that's why I tried to, ha I tried to handle these athletes, is just checking on them. How are you doing? How's your feet? Because then we might see stuff that I can fix really easily, you know. And I, I was helping some people with their feet and saying, you know, maybe do this, just take this needle and just inject it in this way, and then we'll just clean it out like that to stop a problem that I knew was coming later on. And I think that's, a, but they were honestly, mate, I, I had this feeling, not this feeling of fear that they might just get in my grill, but I was like, oh, I just hope that I'm serving them in the way that they want me to. And, you know, you've been at races as well where, where you've got clients racing. You want to feel that you're doing it, but I was there to race as well. Yeah, exactly. So it's a really fine line, but they, they were amazing. They were really, they were really awesome. So I was pretty happy that it all went out quite smoothly. Yeah. And, and it is a fine line. Yeah. Going back to the line that, well, was was most important for you, really. It should have been your race. Yeah. You'd, obviously, we knew about the marathons. Let's go back to start of the year. Yeah. This, you knew you were doing this. Did, had you specifically built up to it? Were you feeling like you'd done all the training you needed to for it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. interesting question, mate. And I've thought about that a lot since. And we'll talk a little bit later about how I felt the race went. Listen, the start of the year wasn't ideal. I had a nerve problem in my calf, which ruled me out of two races that I was really targeting. One, the Dubai Marathon, and secondly, the Big Backyard Ultra, which was in February. 24 hours, 48 hours, however long, go for go six and a half K for, for as long as you can. But then I felt I got in quite a good rhythm, mate. I raced the 100K in Hajar, and I think I was quite surprised in that race. Like, I finished up fourth... I think I was fourth in that race and I didn't really set any like I think they're difficult especially the local trail races like you just have to race as hard as you can I think it's hard to go okay I want to come in the top three I want to come in the top ten you don't know who's going to show up you just don't know who's going to show up so I and on reflection after I had that big turd at the end like that was a really good race and I felt strong I felt really good in the mountains and obviously the flat I managed to to do good and then I went to Sana and that was a 60k race and I felt really good like I finished second in that race and so I, f I felt that my training was good I'd done a lot of camps with the guys that were going to MDS and with the guys that were going to Ultra X so I, I guess the only way that I could have prepared better would have been to do like 
bigger back-to-back days. And this is something that is, again, a difficult it's a sort of double-edged sword with being a coach and also out on these training camps for, for my own use. Like, I can run 40 or 50 Ks a day. Like, I don't need to run 20 and then 40 and then 20 as we're doing for the camps. But for the guys that I was taking through the camps, it was their first time to do these back-to-back days. Whereas I already know I can run 30 marathons back-to-back. So yeah. I probably needed to go a little bit longer in those camps. And that's something that I'll definitely change for next year. But... It was interesting as well because going into it, I didn't, two weeks before I felt really fresh, but then the two weeks leading up to it, I I had a lot on and I just didn't feel 100% fresh. And it didn't really play on my mind, but I think it, it, it impacted the first couple of days. And that's one of the biggest things that, you. I don't know if it was that or if it was the heat because the heat was just, it was, just mayhem like yeah i mean i mean it was yeah the heat was wild and there there are two things that you know can affect you and there's nothing you can really do about it in terms of if you've been stressed at work you're under stress it's it's not like i'm not stressed you won't be you are yeah and if you're hot you're hot yeah there's nothing you can you can be the strongest mind in the world yeah at the end of the day it's affecting your physiology it does how, at what point in the first day did you think, okay, this is hotter than I thought or this is affecting me? Or did you just say it's, it's not affecting me, but the results later showed that it did? It, is it a reflection? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good question and well put, mate. I think, like, you know, you go out on the first day, it's 36K, it's hot. We started at 8 o'clock and, you know, okay, my heart's now at 150 and I'm like, okay, that's 10 beats over math pace. I'm, I'm here to race. I'm great with 150. And it just sort of sat at 150. Heart-wise, cardiovascular-wise, I felt, I felt good for most of the time. I didn't feel like I was gassed. So I knew that was cool. I knew I'd had a couple of big weeks. And I'd just been, like, to put that in perspective for people, I'd just been sort of doing my normal working 12-hour, 15-hour days, like three or four back-to-back. And then the week before, like I had some friends over, so my recover, my sleep was still good, but it wasn't what I would say is absolutely perfect for me. And I was like, I was starting to feel my legs a little bit on the second day, and I was like, this is not anything to do with what's gone by. So I put that totally out of my mind. I, I knew I wasn't 100% fresh, but I put it out of my mind because I didn't think it was. And it wasn't really, mate. It was... It was the weather. It was the heat was literally, you're just overheating and the pain in, in my quads and just in, in just literally, yeah, in, in, in my quads, in my hamstrings, it wasn't a fatigue pain. It was just, it was just from the heat. It's like a, a real, a pure discomfort. Just, of yeah, feeling. yeah, exactly, mate. And I sort of flipped back. I was like, okay. And I was thinking to myself on the second day, because <laughs> it was classic, we'd, we'd, we'd hit the 10K checkpoint, all good, fresh water, a little bit of water on the head, keep going. And then the next checkpoint was supposed to be at 20K. And we got to 16K, and there was a checkpoint. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Water on the head, freshen up the, the water bottles, et cetera, et cetera. And I said to the people at the checkpoint, so when's the next checkpoint? And they're like, 10K. Cool. So at 26K, I'm waiting for this checkpoint. 
all my nutrition, my hydration is based on that, except I saved 500 mils. So I sort of get to, and, and by this time it's, it's about nine or something in the morning and the sun was up. It was, it was hot. And I was like, there's no checkpoint. No worries. It's cool. We keep going. The checkpoint didn't come till 30K. So the 16 the second checkpoint was at 16K, was 4K early. Now, there's a difference of 4K between, you know, between this. And, yeah. and that's a lot in that heat. Now, I wasn't out of water, but the heat was just blistering. And I thought to myself, I was like, right, this is not, I don't, I'm not doing anything wrong, but my body is just overheating. And then I was like, okay, what's the hottest place I've ever run? And I, I remember the first time I did the 50 Ks in 50 degrees here in Dubai, it got up to, <laughs> it wasn't 50, we made a mistake. It was 54 <laughs> <laughs> for, the last, for the last 10 K. So from the mosque, if people know Al Qudra, yeah. from the mosque to the trek shop to Zad's is 10 K and it was about 12.30 in the day and it was 54 degrees. And I know it was 54 because I had, uh, Mohammed Kassim was in my car next to me and he was like, bro, bro, it's 54. Are you <laughs> sure you should keep going? I was like, mate, I've done 40 something K, I'm keeping going. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, that day was just so hot. And I was like, okay, how did that day feel? And it was exactly the same feeling in my legs that I was having then. So I was like, okay, now I know how to behave. Now I know how to react. And I just, I just started sort of, because before when it was tough in that checkpoint, I was like, I was actually down to, I think I sent you a message. I was down to 800 meter run, 200 meter walk. Yep. 800 meter run, 200 meter walk till, till about, it was actually 2K before the checkpoint. We came across a river and just went swimming for five minutes. And I was like, you know, I, was, I, I put this in my mind and then I reflected on that that night and I was like actually when it's hot like that like you can't just go 800 200 you can't be this robot that I wanted to be you have to run until you feel yourself overheating and then you have to walk a little bit so it can't be and I think this is what made the race difficult for a lot of people that it can't be as structured as maybe you want it to be yeah so you can't sort of go okay i've got 800 on 200 off i've got 30 rounds of this 30k to go like i can do that the whole day it was literally like okay i'm gonna try and run 3k and sometimes you try and run 3k and the first 800 meters would be through the jungle like shaded from the trees actually sometimes there was a breeze and you get 800 meters through into your 3k and then you just be out in this brutal open area that was just hot like an oven. And I'd get another 400 meters down and look at my watch and it's 1.2K. And if I didn't stop and walk at that time and pour water on my head, I would have just completely overheated. So then you've got the mind game of, okay, you just set a simple goal to run 3K and you got 1.2K into it. That's pathetic, you've just failed. Yeah. You know, but I was, I was, comfortable, I was comfortable with it for, for, for the most part, but it was really the second day where I figured out how to manage my core temperature in the right way. And that was, once I figured that out, once I thought back to that experience I'd had, 54 degrees running that last 10K of Al Qudra, I knew it wasn't going to be as hard as that. Yeah. It was the same feeling, but it wasn't, it just, I mean, it was, it was about 40 in Sri Lanka with similar humidity to what we get here in Dubai at summer. So it was hot and humid, but it wasn't, it was like 
40 to 54 is still 14 degrees. I was like, I've done this. I've done harder than this before. Yeah. And I've done 50K in it. So that was when I sort of got the race a little bit more under control. A bit more figured out. Yeah. You, you went in or we, we went in with a strategy for you. Yeah. End of day one. Are you, are you happy where you are? Like, forget about the heat and the cooling. Are you, you coming in across the line? I think the results were still working that day for us. So we, we could we could see where you were. Yeah. But then are you looking at that? Are you counting who's coming in? <laughs> no. Oh, mate. I think it's what I said earlier. You always want to, you know, I'd sort of had a look around at the field. I'd had to speak to some people. I was for some reason listed as one of the favorites for the race, you know, going into it on the Ultrax site. So there's a little bit of pressure for that. But I also realized that I was probably one of the top 10 runners there. Yeah. So I wanted to be in the top 10, mate. And I, I knew that everyone had gone out too hard, mate. Exactly, yeah. Like Sam Weir, super incredible bloke that I met there, you know, little Aussie guy. And he was also one of the favorites. He was in the back of a, a Land Rover in air conditioning for two and a half, three hours after stage one of the race on a drip. Wow. You know, and I was like, and then I spoke to Anna Marie Watson and she came over to me. She said, how was it? I said, yeah, it was good. Huh? I said, it's, it's good here, isn't it? You know, and she goes, oh my God, everyone just went so fast. I was like, yeah, it's a race, right? And like, <laughs> I was just having, she's super nice, but I was just having fun. And I was like, yeah. Everyone had gone out a bit fast. I actually, I finished up day one, mate. <laughs> it was crazy. We actually, we, the course was supposed to be 36K, but because we were running so fast, the, the support crew didn't get to the point where they were supposed to tell us to turn, for example, right instead of left. All so right. we skipped out a 6K loop. And that's we why only, it was 30. That's why it was 30 on the first day. Wow. So, you know, we, we actually got to the end. I got to the end just behind this, another Aussie guy, Ollie. And I was like, it can't be finished. And he's like, bro, it's the end. And we're sort of looking at them and they're like, you know, the, the support guys were like, the, the organizers were like, but they're like, guys, uh, you skipped a bit out, but it's all good. We're just doing 30K today. So yeah, first day, mate, was like, was brutal. Everyone was flying. And, but people were already sort of flaking and the camp the first night, luckily we finished at a river. So everyone's swimming in the river and then people are just going, this race is hot. And we'd only run for just over three hours, 30K. Yeah, and, and heat exhaustion catches up with you. you. It's in your body yeah. for the next sort of 12, 24 hours. Yeah. So are you going to bed with a big smile on your face thinking tomorrow's going to be even more epic because people are going to do more damage? Or are you, <laughs> yeah. are you sleeping well first night? Yeah, mate, I, I, I sleep reasonably well in these things. You, you generally, you sleep about an hour, an hour and a half. You roll over, there's people in your tent. I remember on the first night, one of the organizers from the race told me that I was using my mosquito net in the wrong way. So <laughs> yeah, do you want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I bought this mosquito net that was... So these... I didn't really know what one was because I'd never used one before. I just put on the spray and it's all good, but it was on the mandatory kit list. So I'm supposed to have this big mosquito net that you hang from the thing and comes down and it covers you all. I've basically gone lightweight because they said 15 kilos bag weight limit. So I'd been super strict and I, I got on the plane with about 10 kilos and I I got this mosquito net that was basically about one and a half meters long by one meter wide so there was no way I was hanging this thing up it, it was like a it was, was just it like baby a size doily yeah it was baby size so I was like oh, okay I'll just put it over my legs 
And so I just put it over my legs and laid in the tent. And one of the organizers came around. I was half asleep. And they're like, uh, you're not using that properly. And I'm like, can you get out of here? <laughs> so you don't sleep amazing. But, mate, I always say, okay, how's my legs good? How's my feet good? How's my energy good? And, you know, it's hot. You're sweating the whole night. But I, I felt good at the end of day one, mate. Really good. And I could see a lot of people didn't. Yeah. You know? And so that, that was super good. As I said, day two was a little bit of a challenge there because of, because of that checkpoint. Because it was so brutally hot. And, but even end of the second night, I think... I remember the last... And I think it's on my video. I think there was a mile left. I think it was about a mile. So, yeah, 1,600 meters left. And I put it on, on, the, on the video that there's a 10-minute video on my Instagram TV. And I was like, yeah, we got a mile left, four laps of the track. This is, this is cool. I'm coming in in a good headspace. Like, I'd had a hard day because of the heat, but I figured it out. And that was it. Then, then I felt good. And I was excited going into the third day as well. Because actually on the... And, and this was brilliant because they'd said the top... The top six or the top seven on the third day are going to start an hour after everyone else. So everyone else is going to start at six, I think it was. And the top six or seven is going to start an hour later. Mate, this is one of the most epic things you can do in a race because everyone goes harder. Okay. It just, in, in an ultra, they do, it, they do it in quite a few races. They do it in MDS on, on the long stage because basically... So I'm just outside the top six. I'm in seventh place. And I've just gone, yes. Yeah, because you've got, got the heat. I've not got the heat. So I've not got an hour of heat. And I can just control myself at the front. You know, I was the next fastest guy. So I'm just like, I'll just control myself. I won't have any problem. These guys behind me, they have to race. Because naturally, mate, they're trying to catch me. And the guys in, in fifth and sixth, they know that I'm close. You know, I think, we had, I think we had an hour separating us after two days. So these guys are trying to come and they're trying to get me. And it's not just me and those guys, everyone this day. This day turned this race like on its head. So this was the Wednesday. This was, this was the, the middle day. So you've done a 30, you've done a 55, and today's a 51. Yeah, today's a 51, which it actually day two ended up being a 57. And day three ended up being a, I think it was about a 53. And my legs are good, mate. Like, the heat thing's still there, but they're getting better. And I was just like, you know, today, this is, this is going to be a good day. Yeah. And you, you get some updates on the checkpoints of what's happening. Salome, actually, so he really attacked on this day, the, the Jordanian guy that ended up winning the race. He ran through us at about 27K. So this guy's run 27K, in three in three in two two hours we've run it in three hours Amazing. and i'm just going what on earth but we're feeling good and i was like you know i didn't know i was pretty sure at that stage like he would beat me i i didn't you know he's just a way better runner than, than i am he's one marathon to Sarbel. so he went through and then edson came through a few minutes later and i was like legs are good we're just gonna we're just gonna keep pushing so pushed on and then it's like, tomorrow's the long stage. And I knew there was carnage happening behind me because they, they told me that there was carnage happening when I got to checkpoints because they're all radioed up at, at the checkpoints and they're like, yeah, it's carnage this race now. So I was just like, survival, 
get to the end of the third day because for me, the fourth day is where the race has to really start. The race is going, yeah. So it, the long day, it was 67K. Yeah. Nerves in the camp? People talking a little bit more Ev or a bit quieter? <sighs> it's different, mate. Like, you see people that were a bit mouthy at the start are very quiet. And then you see some of them that are quite loud at the start. They're even louder because they're just so nervous about the next day. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone's talking about the heat. Everyone's talking about how uncomfortable it is to sleep. Everyone's like, not everyone, but 80% are complaining about something. And I was just sitting there and I was literally just laughing. Smiling I was like. just smiling. I was like, tomorrow I'm going to just go as hard as I can because then there's only 40K left and this race is done. And these people are sat around the camp. They're, they're doing their head in. So as I said earlier, I was like, right, I'm going to eat a lot more today. So I ate two bags of food. So dinner's just under 2,000 calories. Had some dried mango and stuff. Woke up. I mean, it's, it's hilarious, mate. Like, the race would start at 6. People would start waking up from 4.30. Like, what are you guys doing? And they're, you know, they're mincing around and this, that, and the other. Anyway, I packed. On that day, I had extra nutrition. And I, I had two of these bars, Holly Smith Street Paleo bars for breakfast. And the, the calorie calculation on that was 400, 400 calories a bar and I had two of them. So I was like, I'm, I'm flying today. And I just literally I figured out how much race nutrition I'd need for the last day for a marathon. And everything I had left, because I took a little bit extra, I just stuck it in my, in my hydration vest. And again, they started the, the top six an hour after us. And I was like, this is just perfect. One of the top six had, had pulled a DNF the day before. A guy in eighth had DNF'd a day before that. These guys were all on drips. So it was, it was just mayhem. And I was like, actually, technically speaking, I'm, I'm in fifth or I'm in sixth now. So I've sort of moved up one from, I think I was in eighth actually after the first two days. Yeah, I think that's where the, the leaderboard was. And I was just excited, mate. I, I slept. I think I slept the best sleep I've ever had out there. I slept on the on the third night because I was just I was super excited about the next day. And yeah, it was uh, it was wild. And you've got a bit more used to the environment at that point. Yeah, a little bit more of what Sri Lanka had to offer for you. Yeah. What was the was there any point where something came about to you and you thought I can't deal with this? And then by the third day, you're like not even noticing it. With you know bugs noises uh, people the, <laughs> yeah the people it, it's interesting mate because you put 40 people together in three different tents so it's a bit of reshuffling my policy on these things is like if someone's annoying me i just move away so I, I i slept in a different tent on the second night and i think on the third night as well we had a slightly different mixture of people nothing was really annoying me mate i was just i was embracing it all i i didn't i didn't see anything that would annoy me like you'd get to the camp the tents would be there. Some days it would rain, so you'd get wet. It'd be a bit muddy in the tent. But again, you sort of look at it and you go, okay, what's this doing to me? Is it, is it, all it's doing is making my sleeping mat a bit muddy. Like some people lose their shit over that. And, you know, normally, like, I don't want to go to sleep in my bed at home with Holly with, with mud in the bed. Like, we're freaking out, you know. The last thing I do before I get in my bed every night is shower. You know, even if I've had a shower four hours before, I have another one because I've just been walking around my house. But it's those small things that I think <clears throat> if you're a bit inexperienced, they'll get to you. You'll be nervous about tomorrow because you don't know, you don't know what's coming. Whereas, 
I've run multi-stages. I've run back-to-back. You know, all that. I just kept on saying to myself, mate, what are you... You know, every time I get a little bit something, I'll be like, mate, you ran 30 marathons. Like, this is a joke. You know, it's like... And no disrespect to the race. I didn't win the race, but I'm yeah. like, it's, it's all good. You're just going to get up tomorrow. But I was fired up for, for that day, mate. I was, I was a bit disappointed that on the third day, Salome ran through me at, at 27K. And so I was like, you know, this is this is the big day, and this is 67k, and I'm strong on this distance, and I'm strong because my legs are fresh now, and and, and it's things like that, mate. Like I had a little bit of pain from my glute down my ITB into my knee that I'd been suffering a little bit during the marathons as well. End of the third day, it was gone, and I'm like, this is I'm ready for it. We targeted this day for you. <laughs> yeah. Do you think part of you feeling good for it was? knowing that it was coming and you were like, no matter what, I'm going to feel good for this day because this is my yeah. target day. Yeah, absolutely, man. Were you chucking things in the back of your head? They were coming in and you're saying, no, I'm good. This is my day. This is the one where I'm going to shine. Mate, honestly, the only thing that was, was getting to me was the heat and how I was going to manage it in the first three days. But this is why, like, yeah, we targeted this day and I'd spent those first three days figuring out my strategy for, for cooling. And I had it down pat on the second half of day three. Yeah. And it was literally, mate, I'd, I'd come out of a checkpoint. This is only 750, but I'd come out with a liter and I knew I had 10K and I had 500 mil here, 500 mil here, two 500 mils in the background. And over 7K, I'd pour a liter on me every time I needed to cool down. And I'd have an extra 500 mils here and then I'd pour that for the last 3K as well. So I had this strategy that was just on the second half of the third day, it just worked. So I was super confident that the weather wouldn't annoy me. I was super confident as well because I'd seen so many people on drips with bad feet, with everything. And I was, uh, I hadn't had a drip. My feet were fine. Everything was cool. So, and the fact that I know I can run back-to-back days and I know that, like, and this is, this is the biggest learning for most people that did this, this multi-stage, is that it's a multi-stage race, which means you have to perform on day four and day five. So I'd seen how fast people were running on day one, two, and three. I'd also listened to their previous running experience. So without sounding arrogant about it, I knew that they couldn't keep that pace up. I just, it's just not possible, you know? So... Yeah, going into day day four, I was just I was I, wa- I wasn't overconfident. I wasn't cocky, but I just felt good. And we, we set out, and we were I was in the lead group. The top five were going to start an hour after us again. And Anna Marie Watson, the chick that won UTMB, oh man, super strong runner. She went to the front, and she, she actually put in a she put in the first twelve k at. Just over five minutes a K, 5.15 a K. And I was like, oof, that's, that's punchy. Yeah, for ultra. Uh, for ultra, for 67 K, day three, like this is a punchy pace. And I just sat on about 5.30, 5.40 with another one of the guys, uh, Ollie. And I don't, know, I don't know where I lost him. I must have lost him after about 10 K. He was doing some admin or something like that. And I, I caught up to Anna Marie at 15 K. And... It was sort of like a lollipop up and out and back, and we're going back down sort of the stick of the lollipop, and I saw some of the first runners coming, and I was like, okay, so they've still got a bit to do, and anyway, we ran, 
and there was supposed to be a checkpoint at 20k and we got to 20k and I'd been chatting to Anna Marie, she's super nice, but she was a little bit, she was like upset that the 20k checkpoint wasn't at 20k, which listen, I get, but I'd had that experience a few days before, we all had that the checkpoints weren't exactly where they say, and you know mate, for me that's part of ultra, like you kind of got to be, as long as they're within like 3k, yeah. I'm okay, you know? And you can't control it. You can't control so. it, mate. So she's sort of, we had a nice chat along the way and then she's like, you know, she's looking at her watch and it's 1996, 1997. She goes, mate, there's no checkpoint. Like, yeah, okay, let's just keep running, mate. She goes, yeah, but it's supposed to be here. I'm like, yeah, mate, but it's not quite here. So let's just keep going. And I, I wanted to keep moving and I knew my checkpoint sort of strategy go in, fill up this water bottle, fill up this water bottle, walk out with a water bottle, and, and whilst I'm there, massive dousing of water. And I literally went through that checkpoint in 45 seconds. A lot of people sit down in them, but yeah. at 20K, I've got to get to 67. It's still early. I think we started that day at six as well, so it's still early, so I want to take advantage of that because I know later on in the day, I'm probably going to have to pull back the gears a little bit. And I had a nice rhythm, 5.30, 5.45, I think it was, something like that. Was, was just working really well. And I left her in the checkpoint. And it's kind of, in ultra, you run with people, but unless we really agree, like if you, like Ollie around with a lot during the race, he just wanted to get some treatment at each checkpoint. And I was like, mate, I'm gonna set out. If you catch me up, good. He's like, yeah, you do that. And you kind of get this understanding. I hadn't planned anything with Anna Marie and I just left the checkpoint. She caught me about five or 10 minutes later and then actually, 10 or 15 minutes after that, we didn't, we weren't running together. We're like 10 meters apart and there was a little bit of uphill and I just sort of gassed it a little bit, not to get away from her, but I just felt good. And then she, I didn't see her again. And so we're about 25 to 27K in and I'm like, 27K, yeah, it was 27K. And I'm like, this is where Salome caught me yesterday. And I was like, okay. Where is he? And I'm looking around and I can't see Salome or Edson and I'm like, okay, I've got to go now. And so I just, I just started pushing. I didn't, I, I'd really come into this zone of I'll walk when I'm feeling like I'm overheating. I've got my liter and a half and I just was smashing it from checkpoint to checkpoint. Another 10K. I pulled into the 40K checkpoint at 43K and Jamie, one of the organizers there, he's going, mate, what is happening? You are destroying this course today. I was like, yeah, mate, I feel awesome. Sat down, like they had the osteo bed. I just sort of sat down, had a chat. His mum was actually there and she, she's like handing us some sweets and stuff, had a load more food. I was still stopping. I was swimming in all, all the rivers and canals, but I was just every, every couple of K, it was probably every 500 meters, I was looking over my shoulder to see if Salome <laughs> was coming and Edson were coming. And they, they weren't. And I was like, I must be doing good. I, I, you know, because sometimes I think you're feeling good, but you're not doing as good as you think yeah. you're feeling. And, mate, I just kept on, on, on smashing it. And then and they were like, I got to the 50K checkpoint. And they said to me, they said, Edson and Salome have left the 40K checkpoint. I don't know what they said, 20 minutes ago. I said, well, looks like we've got a race on. And they looked at me. They're like, do you think you're going to race these two guys? And I was like, I'm going to keep ahead yeah. of them for as long as I can. And I remember it, mate. We, we were going. So we went out, I went out the checkpoint, a little bit more through the jungle, wild, elephant, 
the shit everywhere, big elephant feet, and I had a Snickers, and I was like, I've got, I've got like yeah, 50k, I've got 17k to go, Snickers time, let's destroy this. Yeah. And we go out onto this like newly constructed, just it wasn't even a road, it was like a load of mud, and there was all these cows. And it was like a it was like a valley. They built like this mud road next to the valley. It was incredibly slippy underfoot. Loads of cows. And on the left was a was a river that even I wouldn't swim in. It was just disgusting. And it was about a three percent gradient. And it was no wind at all. It was hot, 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 hot. And I was, I looked up and I couldn't see the end of this thing. I was like, wow, I've really got to work here. So I'm slogging up this thing and I do my thing. I turn around and after a few K, I saw these two little bastards coming for me. I'm like, no, this is the worst time. Thickest underfoot. I was literally slipping like with every step and it was just hot as hell. And it was about, it was about 56 K. Anyway, they were coming and I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And of course, they're super nice. They, they caught me at about 56 and a half, 50, yeah, something like that. And they're like, Marcus, come with us, come with us. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. And I'm just going, yeah, guys, I've just been fighting for the last like 20 minutes from when I saw you, because it's just like straight up this valley. Anyway, I, I look down at my watch and it's, it's literally coming up to 57K and I'm like, I just don't, I think I, I could end up in real big trouble if I go with these guys. Yeah. You don't like, want to be going into the red at that I, point. I don't want to be going into the red. I've got 10K to go. And I was like, I'm playing this game in my mind because I'm like, they set off an hour behind me. They're way ahead of me in the race anyway, but I want to run with them, you know, and I want to I, I want to fight them a little bit. And anyway, they, I tried for literally 50 meters. <laughs> and I just couldn't. Like, the difference at that time, I, I was probably down at about, I was probably still at about 545. And they're, they're only running 20 or 30 seconds a K faster, but you know, it was just on that surface, that heat, and I knew there was no option to jump in the river. And I was like, oh, I've, got, I've got to let them go. And anyway, I was like, I, I looked up and I saw this blue, which was like normally the, 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 the shelter for the checkpoint. And I was like, why is there gonna be a checkpoint? And I was like, okay, maybe they've put an extra checkpoint in because they'd screwed up a few of the others and this was a brutal section. Gradient, hot, muddy, blah, 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 blah. And anyway, I was like, cool. I'm going to get there. They're still going to be there and I'm going to make a deal with them. And we run up this valley and this, and then I see there's more tents. And I was like, what's going on? Why have they put the camp here? And I was like, this is going to be soul destroying. They're going to send us on a 5K loop or an out and back. For the, for the to make it to 67, and actually I ran in and they were like, "You're done." Shit. I was like, "What?" I said, "I don't believe you." And I'm looking. I said, "Where's Salome and Edson?" Literally, mate, they'd passed me with 200 meters to go to uh, the finish. You're no, <laughs> because the, the the course somehow had been it was 10k less than it was supposed to be on that long day. Wow. And I was like, "Oh my god, I, I should have stayed with you." It was 200 meters. These guys had, but man, I felt I felt just amazing, and I'd run I'd run about I think I'd run over an hour into the guy that was in 
sixth place. I'd, I think I'd run into fifth place. I'd run over an hour into the guy that was in sixth place who I'd basically been running with for those few days. And he came at the end. He goes, mate, something, I just couldn't stay with you today. And I was like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I didn't really say anything. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> so most people are, are declining at this point. Yeah. You're, you're peaking. Yeah. Do you think, probably quite a deep question, mate, but we know you as quite an extroverted person. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, you like to be on Instagram. You, yeah. you film things during the race. You're, you've got good positive energy, but extroverted means you're drawing your energy from other people. Yeah. These sort of races, the deeper you go, the more introverted you need to be. Yeah, right. Are you feeling a transition there, or are you naturally able to just click into introvert mode and just go for it, or do you need people around you to... I don't know, mate. I love these kind of challenges because you meet all these people, but like we were saying before, there's, not, there's quite a lot of negative energy in the camp, like not for anyone... It's just people pointing out the obvious. Oh, my feet hurt. Well, bro, you've just run 150K in three days. Like, I know your feet hurt. You know what I mean? So I, I find that maybe in these situations, like you say, like I'm quite introverted. I ran pretty much, except those bits that I spoke about, on my own. I Even when I'm running with people, I don't talk to them unless I really feel that I need to that I'm going to get what you said, get something from them. Like, I won't always start a conversation unless I need to pick myself up. Yeah. So I think in the definitely in the latter parts of, of these races and when, when I'm a bit more in trouble, I, I do become very introverted and I'm able to block out all this stuff. And, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost a bit of a... I'm almost a bit cruel, mate, in that it's like, I'll just tell people I feel really good. Yeah, you know, I just walk around the and I just, I, I'm mean, mate. You know, like I'll I'll be around the camp and I just say stuff. I'll be like, oh, Tom, like the sole of your shoe looks like it's falling off, and just to be fun, like just have a bit of fun, and it just gets in people's fun for heads. You. <laughs> it's fun for me, mate. And the, you know, like people will put their pack on, and I'll be like, oh, are you sure? I think. I think it's going to chafe you, mate, if you put it on like that. And I'll just be, like, just chipping different things. But when I want to get, like, deep and I want to get focused, I'm very, I'm very happy to be on my own, mate. Yeah, but you when know? you're making, when you're walking around the camp at the end, watching people coming in, so you're, you're watching people cross the line and, and you're starting to think of these thoughts. Yeah. Is that your way of gathering your energy back that you've spent in the day? Yeah, I, I think it is, You want to feel... Like to have a bit of a laugh. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Other people at this point are getting a little bit more sensitive. They've, yeah, they've got mud in their bed. They've got, yeah. you know, they're not too happy about things. Did because this is what interests me about the multi-day races is yeah. the the running is one thing. Yeah, the social aspect of it all is a whole nother. And you've got one day left. Yeah, forty k. Yeah, what's <laughs> what, what are you are you gonna just go? All in again? Are you yeah. just trying to have as much fun as you can by no. causing these little no, mate, you're just, arguments? You, you, I think at the at the end of day four of, of a five day event, you know, it's it's hilarious. And we spoke about it in inner talks with the MDS guys, like you've got a marathon to run tomorrow, but you feel like the race is done. Yeah. Like the mood in the camp does get better and people have become immune to stuff, but people's injuries have become worse. There's pain that they've not experienced before. I'm trying to help those people as well, mate. Like the the amount of sort of 
jokes to out psych people probably declined on those days and you know I saw time your feet oh yeah mate but you've you've done the hard work you know and I'll, I'll try and pick it up like that and I want people around me to be in a good mood as well and we 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 ended up with a really consistent tent and all the guys were just we had Edson we had Sam Josh Chris Salome who didn't speak any English so that was perfect. perfect the other guy Tom who came third super positive guys so we had just a good group and you know when we finished the long stage we just sat around chatting for two or three hours you know sharing food talking about the race, talking about different parts of the race. And, you know, it's always interesting for me to hear as well as, as a coach, like how people sort of felt on different parts of the races. And, and you know, I'll ask them, like, what, how did you react and stuff? So it was quite a good feeling in the camp. But I also knew that the next day I wanted to go, like, super hard. Okay, so you that's know? in your head. You want to yeah. push on the last Yeah, time. and I did the same thing, mate. Like, I, I was asking people if they've got extra food, and I ate all of my food that I had, you know, and I, I was getting more food to give to Edson because I wanted him to win the race. So I'm, like, loading him up with food to make sure he's got loads, and I'm just trying to get in as much calories because when that race finishes the next day after the marathon, it's you don't need that food anymore so there's no. no need to keep anything so a little bit more admin work and just yeah just really getting fired up for for the next day and just i was excited because again like my legs felt good i'm managing the heat better now energy was good feet are great a few toenails were gone but i didn't have any blisters you know and and i was i felt really good that night to be honest mate nice and uh because we're running out of time shortly, but the, the last day you got some some good footage on, which yeah. is on your Instagram TV. Yeah, I definitely think people should go and check that out and, yeah. and have a look. But yeah. you're so you you get through the first half, say, and and you're starting to go through those feelings of all right, 15k to go, yeah, 10k to go, yeah. Is that buzz rising? Oh mate, it was yeah, it was wild. I think I think they sh they had to shorten the last stage because there was an elephant like actually on the course okay so for safety they had to shorten it and you know it was still a 36k or something like that stage so it's not or 34 i can't remember which but it, it wasn't a short stage you know everyone's like oh it's shortened but it, it really wasn't that short and it was a delayed start which i was like i was foaming over because i was just like people just sitting around they're getting hot they're annoyed. They just want this race to finish. And I was just like, this is just all sort of the stuff that I love. And yeah, I was, I, it was two loops. And we went out on the first loop and I'd spoken to Edson and I was like, listen, mate, it's, uh, it's 36K. You need to, you really need to put a move on Saturday. You, you've got 17 minutes to get back on him. You need to put a move on him early. And so they went out hard you know and and they're running sort of just over four minutes a k these guys and on trail which is lightning yes. at the end of uh 200 k's in the legs and actually brian was with me and so was ollie and i'd run with ollie the whole time i I'd, i was about an hour and a half or two hours ahead of ollie so i didn't really have anything to race for that day i was sat really comfortably in fifth sam who is a better runner than me did have two hours in the Land Rover and a drip, which he didn't get penalized for if he's listening. Um, he was probably about two hours ahead of me. So I was just in this no man's land. And we did the first loop. After about 10K, Ollie wanted to go for a swim. And as was the normal sort of protocol by that stage, 
I kept going and I was with Brian and Brian, Brian was just sat with us, just running. And Brian's like, shall we wait? I said, man, I've not waited for him the whole week and I want to finish this stage. So we just kept running and we never saw Ollie again. And it was epic, mate. The, the last day was just incredible. There was awesome trails, single track, jungle, exposed area. And then there was this big, long, windy road, which was about 4K at about 2%, 3%, hot as hell. And we're running up it and Brian's going, this is going on forever. I was like, how good is it to just imagine how much those guys behind us are going to be struggling? Yeah. And he went, oh, I didn't think about it like that. And anyway, we get around the first lap and we've done, yeah, we've done about 18, 19K. And Brian, we get to the checkpoint. I was super fast again. And he sat down and I said, come on, mate, let's go. He goes, I'm going to let you crack on. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, come on, this is going to be the fun loop. And he goes, no, I'm out. And I was like, well, that's it then. I'm just, I'm just going to go as hard as I can. And I knew the loop and I was just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go as hard as I can. I was like, yeah, just, I knew that from that checkpoint to the next checkpoint was 8K. And I thought, like I had the I had the liter and a half with me again, and and I was like I just knew that I could get there. I did, you know, I knew I could control it, and I was just raging through. And I remember at that checkpoint, so that was kind of the last checkpoint. There's probably about another eight or nine k to go. They're like, do you have any electrolytes? And I'm like, guys, there's no time left in this race for electrolytes. And they sort of looked at me, and I was like, this race is going to be over real soon. And I was like, how far ahead are the next guys? And they're looking at me just like I'm on drugs or something. And I think they told me the distance. It was way too far to catch up. Sam and Tom were ahead of me, and they're, they're sort of way better. And, um, yeah, and they just, just hammered it for, for the last bit. And that's actually where I took a lot of that footage as well. Like, it was just, yeah, it's just... I think that's when you really realize, like, you, you come into this sort of almost complete state of flow that you can, you know, I remember I passed Katie, she was just on the side of the road with 2K to go, and she, she was like, you've got 2K to go, and, mate, I think I ran through the jungle about 4.30K, yeah. when it felt like it did, you know, I was just, I was having the best time ever, and, and sprint up the finishing shoot, and, yeah, it, it was wild, the last day was wild, and just to... I, I could have sat back and just been happy being in fifth, run with Ollie, just kept him, you know, I had over an hour on him. I think I had almost two hours on him. So I could have just pulled him along for the day and I wasn't trying to crucify him, but I wanted to race, you know, and, and I knew, as I said before, I couldn't really catch the guys in front, but I just would, would have not enjoyed it as much coming over the finish line and gone, oh, that was nice. I literally came over the finish line, died for a bit, <laughs> then inhaled about two liters of Sprite, Coke, all sorts of stuff, and felt terrible for 24 hours after. Of course, of course. The uh, the final video that they showed for Sri Lanka, which is probably on their website by now, Yeah. the, the video line finished interviews. Yeah. Everyone's just beaming. Yeah. Everyone's so happy. And yeah. Everyone's saying they'd do it again, and they're on a complete, like, absolute cloud yeah we've been it's two weeks now afterwards yeah you've you've reflected on it a few times this is probably the last time you'll do it this yeah. much in depth yeah are you looking to do it again yeah i i think i would mate i mean you kind of know how i how i see these things i'm not it's not like oh that's in the diary for next year definitely want to do it oh it's a it's a fantastic race if things you know we're only still in May now, mate, and it's in April next year. So 
and that might sound a bit non-committal, I would 100% go to this race again. It's epic. And I'd go back and I'd run it as hard as I did. I'd, I'd hopefully know how to manage my hydration before. Like, not my hydration, but my cooling before. So that experience that I spoke about in the first two or three days, I'd have that damn pat from the start. I'd know exactly what I was doing. And I'd go back and I'd have a great time. And it's a course that I would run again. It, it, it was epic. The jungle was just absolutely... It was awesome. And the people that we met there were incredible. So I'd definitely go back to it. But if something else comes up next year that I feel is, is more challenging, it's not a race that I feel afraid of. It's not, you know, it's... But I think that's because I've done now quite a bit of this stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, it's... it's but yeah, I, I could race harder. I didn't win the race, so I could race harder. And, you know, next year again, I, I wouldn't go back and think, oh, I need to be on the podium. I'd go back with the intention of racing harder you know next year there could be and i think that's where some people are not setting goals properly when they're comparing themselves to other like this race could blow up ultra x could 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 blow up really nicely and yeah. next year you could get 10 of the world's top 50 trail runners there and if you're in 20th position on day one and you're doing your head in because you came to sit on the podium you know it's um it's super nice to be part of the first race there as well and to enjoy all of the logistical challenges that the guys had. One way of putting it. Yeah, they had, they had a few, mate, but it, it's an amazing place to go running. The people are super nice and the conditions are incredibly challenging. So 100%, mate, if, I'm, if it's stuff that, if it's fits for next year, I'd definitely go back and do it and hopefully take people with me as well. Do it again. And what's your immediate plan next? What are we looking to race? Next, this is where I'm struggling a little bit, to be honest, mate. Like I have a race in Kenya in September, Towards the end of September, it's 230k across the Kenyan, the Serengeti. So uh, organized by Beyond the Ultimate. So I'm lo really looking forward to that. I think this time now, like I've, I've been sort of thinking, oh, I need something, I need a challenge. But I think it's good to just sort of slow down a little bit and just let my body recover a little bit. I've had, had a hard few months, the last few months of the year. And then, you know, we feel good, but... 100k race a 60k race all the training camps i did then cap it off with a 250k race it's a lot of stress on the body and you know i mean i went running this morning really enjoyed it so i'm looking forward to to kenya and i'm going to be in australia a lot in august so i get a lot of good time to train in good environment there and then ultra x have another race in jordan in october which is only a couple of weeks apart but i hope to be a part of that in some capacity whether i run some stages all the stages or just go and take selfies, I don't know, one or the other. <laughs> selfies sound like the uh, most likely plan there, mate. Yeah, I think so, mate. I mean, two weeks after Kenya, it's going to be a challenge. But, I mean, this is the nature of this stuff. It's like, you know, I remember when I did MDS, and I was like, that's my event for the year. Like, yeah. 250K, that's my event for the year. Fast forward four or five years, and, you know, it wasn't six months ago that I finished my 30 marathons. Since then, I've, I've, I've been in three pretty big races. But I think that's the buzz as well. If there was some races here, I don't think it's worth traveling to Europe for a single stage race or a 100K race right now. So I have to wait till Kenya. But maybe I'll find some stuff in Australia. Who knows? Yeah. Mate, you came on the Inner Fight Endurance IGTV show and you answered about shaving your legs in yeah. the jungle. You talked about three weird, interesting things you packed. Uh, you discussed a little bit of your highlights and your struggles of the race and uh, went into a little bit about your warm-up for each day. So yeah. 
people need to go check that out and then yeah. more info about yeah hopefully that's useful for people especially the uh, shaving of the legs I think it's the first time I've actually been asked that, mate. I don't, I don't actually hide it, but it's the first time I've been asked in public. I think people are a little bit sort of, oh, it's a weird question to ask someone, but yeah. We have weird followers, mate, over there. Yeah, true. <laughs> Good. That's it, mate. That's, uh, that's really useful. I'm sure people have, have loved listening to that because it's yeah. a really good insight. I think people think you're quite robotic in your mindset, but yeah. to get into it a little bit more, find out what you're thinking on, on certain days, how you've broken the race down. Yeah you know your nutrition behind it really really useful so thank yeah. you mate thanks for the questions and folks if you are thinking about ultra give us a shout it's pretty cool ride hopefully i've made it sound quite cool anyway and it is it's it's a lot of fun i think if you go into it with the right mindset you have a lot of fun so thanks a lot